Good morning. So uh, my name is Chad Jolly. I've been attending here for about 10 years now. And uh, the Lord really worked uh, a pretty big miracle in my life and continues to do that. I've got a little joke to tell you. So uh, there was a pastor that came up and uh, before Sunday service, and he wanted the deacon in the church to stand up and say a little prayer. So he asked the deacon to stand up, and the deacon said, Lord, I hate buttermilk. And the pastor looks at him like, Deacon continues on, he says, Lord, I hate lard. And the pastor's getting a little nervous by this time. And finally he says, and Lord, I really hate plain flour. He said, but when you mix them all up, you put them in the oven, and then biscuits come out, mmm, 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 that's good stuff. So Lord, as, uh, as we minister today and we ask that you minister to people's hearts, Lord, that that even if they're in the midst of that buttermilk, Lord, or in the midst of that lard, or that they recognize these scars that you've, you've laid upon their lives, Lord, these scars that will become their ministry, Lord, we ask that uh, you reach out to them and you touch their hearts and you, you protect their hearts, Lord, and you soften them to let them know that you are with them. We ask you to project your power through them, Lord, and their testimony become powerful in somebody else's lives, Lord, much like you've done with, with my wife and, and my own life, Lord. We've been following you for 10 years, Lord, and the prophetic visions that you've given us still haven't come true, Lord. And even as uh, this morning, as, as we were singing that song up here together, and there were parents, the parents' hearts that, that just were broke for their children, calling them home, Lord. You give me a prophetic vision of my children standing in front of you, Lord. And even though we haven't talked to all of them to this day, that we know your promise is that you will peel back my heart and expose my heart for my children, Lord. That as you expose my heart to them, Lord, their hearts will melt. And, their heart, and they will come back to the family that, that loves them and prays for them, even though they don't know we're doing it today, Lord. We know that the supernatural is way more powerful than the natural. In our supernatural eyes, we ask for that discernment, Lord, that discernment to be over our family, that discernment to turn back the Father's hearts to the children, Lord, to grow our church, Lord, to grow our family so that we can speak spiritually to each other, Lord, and be edified. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. That call on my heart for my children to return is a pretty big call. And I love it when our church family comes together to hear the same word that everybody's hearing. I work for Union County Community Corrections, and I have been there now nine years this year. I started out as a probation services specialist, pretty fancy title for babysitter, right? (laughs) But I got to babysit some of God's broken And that's a pretty special place to be. You know, uh, we pray all the time that people intercede for our children and that they have divine appointments. And I believe that sometimes when I'm in my place of work, my place of employment, that divine appointment is somebody else's prayer for their children. So uh, that can only be God that's given that to me. Um, I'm now a probation uh, officer. I've been a probation officer for almost five years when I was a probation services specialist, we, uh, 
we started going around the community and, and introducing ourselves and what we actually did. Um, we went to a lot of different, um, the Eagles, uh, who else, Optimists, some places like that. When we went to those actual places, we've met with a lot of resistance, right? Because a lot of times we don't have mercy and grace for people that we think should just get their lives together. We're just easy. Stop using drugs, right? It's not really that simple. As we all know, we all have our own sin and our own problems. And as we have our own sin and our own problems, we need to remember that mercy and grace upon others. So we were really allowed to break through a lot of the barriers that this community had. One of the huge barriers that this community had was we had no sober living for people. Why do we need sober living? Well, we kind of needed sober living because... If you keep doing the same thing over and over again, you're going to get the same thing over and over again. So if you have somebody breaking into your cars to get their heroin fix, right, and we send them right back into the community that now they have to live with somebody and they owe them a favor to get their heroin now, they're going to break into the cars and do it over and over again until we break that cycle. Sober living was one of those places where we were able to set up these houses, and and in setting up these houses, we were able to... If somebody wanted to get free, they had a chance to finally break free. So that's just one of the programs that that we really uh, have introduced in the 10 years since I've been there. Another one was we went directly to the employers, employers who, much like all of us, have somebody we know that's addicted. And those employers at first were very angry that I was asking them to employ our people. But when they started listening and they started hearing the hearts of what actually needs to happen. Somebody, we live in a monetary system, and because we live in that monetary system, people have to have money to survive. And I don't care if it's the addict on the street to get their next fix, they're going to do something to survive. And the thing that they're going to do is they're probably going to steal, probably going to break into your car, do some petty thefts, probably not, you know, not so much get into your house as sometimes they do, but our house was one of those that they kind of broke into. That was a testing ground for us, you know, that, that uh, you're preaching to these people, but nothing's really happened to you. Well, my guns got stolen. My things got stolen. My daughter's underwear was gone through. Very personal things, right? So I do understand those things. I do understand where we come from. But I also understand the mercy and grace and the reason why I'm standing here in front of you today. Because 10 years ago, I could have turned him in that attic. Ten years ago, instead of choosing God and him healing my wife, I could have said, poor, poor me, and I could have chose something that I didn't want to choose. So God has really put me in a wonderful place, and he's really put me in a place where it makes sense. Ten years ago, I was just a broken-down old tire guy, right, just trying to run a tire store and and do these little things. There's no way, there is no way on God's green earth that I would have ever thought that I would be in the, I'm in the position I'm in today. And I'm only in that position because I finally got it. I finally understood that in order to be activated by God, I had to surrender to God. So, the way that we minister a lot of times to people is just like you would minister to your best friend. Right, if you if you know they're broken, me screaming at them, telling them not to use drugs, me telling them the obvious, right? Um, 
that everybody hates you, you burned every bridge, right, is only enforcing what the enemy is whispering in their ear. I have to treat them with gentleness, kindness, and try to use 1 Corinthians 13 as my guide, right? Be patient with them, be steadfast, long-suffering. Anybody like that one? That's the one that, that's the one that, that every time that it comes to the end of somebody, I say, we'll get it next time, Lord, right? We'll get it next time. So long-suffering is, is one of those good ones. A lot of people look at my job and they think to themselves, boy, I just couldn't. I don't think I could lock people up. Well, even locking people up can sometimes be a way to protect them. So we have a lot of women, especially out there, females, that seem to use their beauty to try to trick somebody into getting what they want. But in the end, their beauty exposes them and they actually end up getting tricked. There's drug dens in La Grande, Oregon, where they're shooting up young girls with heroin. I don't say this to upset you. I don't say this to get you riled up or to say we don't have that here. We do have that here. But you need to know that these people, this trauma that they suffer, this injustice that they do, these, these people that sell themselves for a bag, they, they don't think like we do. And the mercy and the grace and the love for them that you need to have is something that can only be granted by God. Addiction is a very selfish disease that leads to lying, stealing, committing more crimes, self-abuse, uh, slaves in the sex trade, and we have that in the grand, thefts and other things that we can't unsee or unhear as professionals. When I go home at night, with that, I don't know how some of these people stay in my business without God. Because when I go home at night, I can wash off with the word of God. But a lot of these other professionals, they can't do that. And you see alcoholism at an all-time high. Suicide for cops is an all-time high. right? All of these professionals are out there just like me, hearing these stories and seeing these stories. And you can't unhear or unsee these things. But you can turn it over to the cross. We need your prayers so that those people can also, not only the lost, but the ones that are professionals that are doing God's work every day, not knowing it, that they have those interventions with God, that they have those divine appointments to God, that they can harden their hearts towards the person in front of them. I cannot do this work without having others that pray for me love me, and have my back constantly. I pray that others come to this field with the love of the Father for his children. Godly people who know how to communicate for the oppressed. Believers who know the Holy Spirit and know that one of his names, that, he, that the Holy Spirit has many names. One is the Comforter in John, right? Spirit of knowledge, understanding, and counsel in Isaiah. And that my favorite is the Spirit of adoption in Romans. We are all children of the living God. Amen? We need to remember, so if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. Right? That's free to do anything. That's free to do His will. That's free to hear Him. That's free to be uncumbered by people's expectations on you. That's free. I think for me, a lot of the reason why God led me into this field 
was because he built my heart for it. Does anybody, there's an old saying out there, it's kind of a worldly saying, it's not really a godly saying, right, that says, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. Well, he built my heart for that love. But he had to get me to a place of hard-heartedness to understand what that love looks like. I have a cousin, his name was Brett, and he lived three doors down from me, and he was... uh, like my brother, but he was my cousin. We grew up together, swimming the canals, climbing trees, breaking arms, you know, jumping our bikes way before helmets were involved, right? I don't know how we're still alive today, but we had a lot of scars. And at 13 years old, Brad and I kind of separated ways. I got involved in sports and he got involved in drugs. And Brett stole things and did all kinds of horrible things. And heroin was a huge part of his life. And he burned every bridge that you could burn multiple times. And I was, when I was saved 10 years ago, I was called to his funeral the next year to give the eulogy. Which, as you can imagine, as a new believer, I don't know how I'm going to give a eulogy to somebody I presume is going to hell. So I'm very stricken by this and very upset by this. Unbeknownst to me, though, Brett got saved about the same time that I did in a little church in, in Haley, Idaho. So I was able to talk with a gentleman that he lived with and a gentleman that he moved in with. And I was able to celebrate that that giving of his life to God and his surrender. He had been saved for about six months, and the reason the reason he didn't get a hold of any of us was because he didn't want to disappoint us. So he was gonna wait until he had this thing under wraps for about oh nine months or so, had a full time job living on his own. Then he was gonna get a hold of us and, and show us that he could do this. So I never really got to say to him, well done, right? Good and faithful servant. But God did give me a vision after that. And, and if you know anything about me, I believe that the Holy Spirit works today. I believe that God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. So nowhere has the Holy Spirit movement stopped. It's not going to stop until he comes back. So I believe that we are given prophecy one of those prophetic things that he gave me with my cousin Brett to, to I know, calm my heart and calm my spirit was I was in heaven. And I was, uh, Brett was running into the gates of heaven like I could see him. He was running fast into the gates of heaven. And when, when he was there, he turned around and I was right on his heels. And in my spirit, I knew that was 30, 40 years later. I knew that this time that we think is so important is only invented for us by God. I knew that as we entered that gate, he didn't even know that I had missed a step or that I was 20 or 30 years behind him because I don't think it really matters. So for me, that was one of those things that was a really, really great thing to, uh, 
to be able to see. His happiness and his joyfulness that he had and the just he lit up. He was glowing. And we were exuberant like kids at play. So for me, that was one of those things that God really laid on my heart and the gift that he gave me that was like, wow. Like, wow, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for that. So, enough about how I got here 10 years later. We're going to talk a little bit about where I came from. First of all, God's great mercy and grace continues to bless a wretch like me. I'm telling you this story so that if you're in your journey and you're in a place where you're stuck or you're broken or you're too old or you're too young or you can't dance or whatever excuse you may use not to serve God, that you understand that it's never too late. And if he's asking you to step out, step out and complete that next step. Don't worry about the whole race. Just worry about the next step. There's a lot of times that God will tell me, go to school, right? Go to college. God, I can't go to college if, if I don't have any money. Well, you didn't sign up for your classes. No, God, you're not listening. No, Chad, you're not listening. <laughs> That's not the next step. The next step is to do what I ask you to do. You said when you surrendered me 10 years ago, anything I ask you to do, and I'm constantly reminded of that, anything you ask me to do, I will do. So I sign up for college. Payments due tomorrow. $1,800. What am I going to do? I don't know. I get a call from the school. If you don't believe this, ask my wife. She'll tell you. I get a call from the school, and it's the finance department, financial aid. And they said, Mr. Jolly, you haven't picked up your scholarship yet. And I said, scholarship? What are you talking about? And they said, "Uh, yeah, uh, seems like you were given $1,800 for a scholarship, and you haven't picked it up yet. And I said, I applied for scholarships in the spring, and you guys said that I don't qualify anymore. This was my second year after I'd been fired from commercial tire, and in my second year, because I had a full-time job, they would no longer uh, give my financial aid. So um, they said, well, somebody's made a mistake. And I said, what do you mean made a mistake? And they said, oh, yeah, aren't you in law enforcement? I said, yes, ma'am, I'm in law enforcement. And she said, so you qualify there. And she said, you're getting a four-year degree, correct? And I'm like, yeah. And she said, so you're, you're good there. I don't know why this didn't come out to you, but today is your last day. You need to come down and sign these papers so that we can give you your financial aid. That's that's only God, right? I mean, am I alone here in believing that that just happened by chance? That first of all, I was turned down, right? And then all of a sudden, miraculously, this application or money just happened to be to a law enforcement individual pursuing a four-year degree? That's happened a lot in my life in 10 years. It wasn't always that way. Unfortunately, we have to learn sometimes. uh, And although I've told my kids, please learn from my mistakes. They've got to learn on their own, just like I had to learn on my own, right? Amen? Um, So for me, 
I want to hear him say, well, good, well done, good and faithful servant. In my life on the screen, and I believe that's the next one, we'll see. Yeah, uh, this is kind of a breakdown of my life. Number one, I had a baptism or said the sinner's prayer when I was 10 years old. So why didn't my life change then, right? That's what I would ask myself looking back on that. You ever heard the old country song, Everybody Wants to Get to Heaven But Nobody Wants to Go Today? That was kind of me at that time of my life. I felt God's call on my, my life at that time, and I really did. But I only had head knowledge of God. I didn't have heart knowledge of God yet. And I wasn't willing to trust um, the things that I needed to trust. I knew I was a sinner. I admitted that I was a sinner. And I knew I needed help, and I knew I wanted eternal life. A little church in Paul, Idaho uh, was a place that I was able to receive that. I continued on my life, um, but there were so many rules in that Bible. You know, rules that I didn't understand, Old Testament versus New Testament. I really had, I read it front to back two or three times, but I, I really, like, Okay, I'm supposed to eat crab. I'm not supposed to eat crab. Like, I don't, I don't understand where this all lays. And I, I really didn't have a maturity yet or anything else to guide me. Um, again, I just went to this little Paul church, and it was a Bible school. So I was only there for two weeks. And after that, it was back to my old life. So uh, I kind of only knew what was around me. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. I knew at this time that I was saved, although I didn't know exactly what that extent meant. Um, So my experience was too much Bible, and by that I mean I had a father who was Catholic, well, claimed to be Catholic, I don't know that I call him Catholic, Um, but he really used the Bible as a weapon. And the Bible verses as weapons, right? So as he learned that, guess who else learned that? Right? So a lot of times we talk about habilitation in our or rehabilitation in our professional terms. But I really talk about habilitation. What I mean by that is if you're not taught the right way, how can you be expected to do something the right way? You know, a lot of these times we have, we have people that grow up in these homes and we say, why don't you do, why are you doing drugs? Well, because dad did it and his dad did it and his dad did it, right? We all know about generational curses. Every one of you read the Bible, I hope, right? Pray. But we know these generational curses. We, we're supposed to be a little bit smarter than this. But as I walked harder and harder in the word, right, and you use the word as a weapon, I really became really, really hard-hearted. I really used that in my marriages and towards my children. So I was really expecting perfection for them and for myself. And when I, changed, when I chased that perfection and used my ego to even elevate that further, right? Like, what you do is a direct representation of me. So be perfect today. Don't say things that we shouldn't say, right? Don't, don't talk to people and show them that we have problems at home, right? I really lorded that Bible stuff over their heads. And, of course, I only used it when I, when I thought it was appropriate or I could, 
sting somebody with it. I didn't use it for everyday life. I didn't use it to live. I used it to, as a weapon. So for me, Matthew twenty three fourteen, right? Woe to you, teachers in the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I was definitely a hypocrite. And I was definitely a Pharisee in my own home. You shut the door of kingdom of heaven in people's faces. You yourselves do not enter, nor will you let those enter who are trying who are trying to. I was really stifling them, my family, everybody from God. I wasn't just stifling myself, but who wants to serve a God like that? Who wants to serve a God that is hypocrite, that doesn't believe what he's preaching, those types of things? I had too much Bible and not enough God. As you can see, when I was 27 years old, I had something called a baptism of the Holy Spirit. I hope I'm not the only one in this room that's had that. (laughs) But it really didn't take hold. I don't know why. I don't understand why. um, Other than at that time, I just wasn't ready to surrender. I think in this world, we really fight three things. I think we fight our flesh. I think we fight the world and its desires. And we fight the enemy itself, Satan, and his minions, right? And I think for me, I was, ready, I was at the end of a second divorce. I was raised Catholic, so I was already not going to get to heaven probably because of my divorces. Um, was really struggling with what my children were, how they were, who was raising them, that type of thing. But I was in the middle of my second divorce, and I can remember inconsolably crying. I was a manager at a local tire store there in Wendell, Idaho. And I was just, I was, there's no other word to describe it other than broken. I was finally broken. I didn't understand why my children were taken away. I didn't understand how come I couldn't raise them. I didn't like God very much that day. But I was still crying out to him and I was begging him, please, Lord, take this from me. I can't bear it anymore. Please just take it from me. And at six o'clock in the morning, a gentleman in a blue Dodge pickup pulled up in front of the tire store and asked one of my coworkers for me. I'd never seen him before. I didn't know who he was, but I met with him. And as I met with him, he said, Hey, Chad, how you doing? Now, I don't know if that was divine appointment or that was the actual patch on my shirt that said Chad, but he got my attention when he said that. And he also said, God told me to come here to pray for you. And I said, what? (laughs) Through the snot bubbles, you know, you just seen them. (laughs) Kind of got to use a little tissue to, to wipe those away sometimes. But I mean, I was in that place. I was in that place of despair. I was in that place of I'm broken and I don't know how I'm going to fix it. I was in this place of suicide would be better than this. And as he prayed for me, he gave me hope. And then he said, Oh, and by the way, I'm supposed to give you baptism of the Holy Spirit. Would you like that? And, of course, through the crying and the blubbering, I said yes. And he prayed for me, and life went on. Right? Um, Continued to live in the world. Continued to experience the world. uh, Continued not to surrender. It It was a pretty rough life. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, it says, For... In one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews, Greeks, slaves, or free. 
I was definitely a slave. A slave to my own sin. And we were all made to drink of one spirit. That's what happened to me that day, but I didn't know what that meant. I was still continuing to live my, my flesh and continuing to value the world and the fear of an, and the opinion of man and to ignore the fear of the Lord and his pull on my life. I now realize that I was constantly battling my flesh, the world, and listening to an enemy that was continuing to get me to believe that I would never be good enough to get to heaven. I continued to avoid turning over my life to him because I blamed him and I really did not understand how he could ever forgive me for how bad I screwed up my life and the lives of my children. I did not understand the gift of salvation. And I'm here to tell you today that if you don't understand that gift of salvation or you find yourself in some of these spots, all you have to do is take the next step. All that you have to do to be activated is surrender. Fast forward uh, 10 years ago, my wife was really sick. Some of you know this story, some of you don't. But I mean sick. Like, I would run her to Boise to an ER, and she had a spinal tap done in the emergency room. That's how sick she was. Because the doctor we have said, well, it could be something in her spinal fluid. She was so sick she couldn't get out of bed. She was so sick she could only communicate by BlackBerry. Typing, texting, before texting was the thing, right? But that's really the only way she could communicate. She was on level two narcotics. And she was on those for six or seven months, and they never really took away the pain. They just dulled it. Just let it to where she could drift off a little bit. She went for days without sleep. I would hate to guess. I would say between six and ten days at a time, sometimes without sleep. Um, So I stand before you. To tell you also of his goodness, right? Is, a, is her sinus cavity for you that have some doubt. And again, I, I'm not going to answer the question of well, why did it happen for you and not for some other people. I, I don't know. And I don't claim to know and I don't have to know, right? God is who he says he is. And, and you need to take that up with him. But I, that's an x-ray of my wife's skull. Do you see where the sinuses are? Does anybody see a difference in those sinuses? On the left side, right, this side over here, clear up here in this corner, see the shadows and, the, and all that stuff? That's, an, that's a sinus of a, she is 46 now, so it would be 36. Yeah, 36-year-old that suffered with a lot of allergies her whole life. And you can see where it got clogged and where the infection was and the scarring is and all that stuff that was there. But on this other side, on the right side, you see how big it is? You see how open it is? You see how there's no shadows? Right? This, was, this x-ray was enough to get a doctor's, a dentist's attention in uh, Tri-Cities, I believe, or Walla Walla. Walla Walla to stop and to listen to her story and her testimony, right? Because he can't explain that x-ray. Other than on one side, she has a brand new sinus, and on the other side, she does not. God can only do that. The next one, surrender my will to God. 
So as you can see, this is kind of how I picture my life and how I picture I was before God, right? At first I had the Bible only, and I was clear off the Bible. I was clear off on the right side in the borrow pit. And I rode my life a little bit that way until I got a picture of the Holy Spirit, and then I jumped back up over the highway, and I kind of did too much on the Holy Spirit side or maybe nothing at all on the Holy Spirit side, right? But this is how I picture my walk. In the very middle, when I finally got that all I needed to do was surrender, I was activated by God, and I could hear him. And I know that may scare some of you, upset some of you. Some of you have never heard that before. Um, But I'm telling you that he still speaks to us today. If he spoke yesterday and he speaks Today, he's going to speak tomorrow too, right? God does not change. That's the great constant about God that we have to remember. He does not change. He is the same, right? So I was able to, uh, to kind of figure it out, I think. And uh, he was able to do some incredible things with me. I had to surrender, though. And I really need to communicate to some of you here. We concentrate so much on the negativity of this world instead of realizing who is on the throne and who is the constant on the throne. And you know what? That's a device by the enemy. It's it's nothing new. Nothing is new under the sun. It's nothing new that we haven't heard before. But somehow... We get trapped into that chaos and into that fear and into that all the other stuff and the what-ifs that we forget who's on the throne. We forget that, Chad, all he wants you to do is sign up for your class tomorrow. That's it. Why do you have to know about 25 years from now and where you're going to be? Why don't you just enjoy today and sign up for your class? Right? Sounds simple. Yeah. When they, when they were told to take the ark to the promised land, what did they have to do? Anybody remember? Yeah, they had to carry it in the water that wasn't stopped yet, right? It was being stopped upriver. But that took a lot of guts. Take something that heavy and go off into that. And that's what I'm asking you to do today. No matter where you're at in this journey, No matter whether you find yourself too heavy with the Bible, too heavy with the Holy Spirit, not able to surrender because you don't trust God so that you're not being used by God, I would ask you today to be brave enough to step forward. I have a prayer team, and we're on prayer team, and I've noticed in the last little bit that we've we've forgot to come to God with our problems. Right, He says that we have not because sometimes we ask not. Are we activated enough to be embarrassed, to stand in front of somebody and say, you know what, God loves you, and to have them kind of slough it off and go, well, you know, thank you, but no, 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 no. No, listen to me. Look in my eyes. God loves you. No matter what you've been through, no matter where you're at, He loves you right here, right now, and in this place. The only way that we can fight this thing is on our knees.
that we realize who we are in God. That we realize if we keep being silent, if we keep doing nothing, we're just as evil as they are. We have to be activated. We have to listen to the word of God. We have to be able to discern what's going on in this world in our lives. And we have to not lose hope. Because he is our hope. And he will give you love. And he will give you peace. And he will give you healing. And if you need deliverance, he will help you with that. If I spoke to you today or if the Holy Spirit spoke to you through me, please do not be afraid to come up front. We have people that pray for you and continue to pray for you and will pray for you. So, um, again, my name's Chad Jolly. and I'd like to close in prayer and just to give you some confidence if we can. Lord, we just we thank you, first of all, for your goodness, Lord, and the ability to, to just even be here in this church, Lord, and realize how blessed we are to speak your word freely, to tell about your Holy Spirit that Jesus has given us when he left, Lord, and for that Holy Spirit to be our comforter, Lord, that no matter how crazy we think this is inside of our body, Lord, that we're able to, to communicate your message to others around us, Lord, and for us to be able to give them a little piece of love and hope that you've given to us. Lord, I pray for everybody that's listened today. I ask you to bless their family, that you, that you bring them closer to you, Lord, that they hear you clearer, Lord, that the ideas and the visions that you've given them, Lord, that they not just cast that off as something that, that uh, was last night's dinner, Lord, but that they really pay attention to those things, that they start keeping logs, Lord, logs, Lord, about their dreams and and their visions and and just keep them and store them up, Lord. We ask you to reach out to our families that are lost, the addicted in this community, Lord, the addicted, not just in this community, but across our nation, Lord, as we are ravished by by things we we think we need to put in our body to substitute for the Holy Spirit. It's a bad substitute, Lord. I thank you for every believer here. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.